everyone. Welcome to Forgive and Forgets podcast. This is my very first podcast, so don't laugh too hard. Today's date is uh, February 28th, and as I mentioned in the introduction podcast, I have been caring for my mom, diagnosed with Alzheimer's, for about 10 years now. But like many of you, I saw something very wrong in her behavior and obviously in her memory about 18 months prior to her diagnosis. As you may know, you don't just walk into a doctor's office after a week or two of noticing something strange and get a diagnosis. It just doesn't work that way. Oh, wait a minute. Um, let me rephrase that. It is highly unlikely you get a diagnosis that quickly. Man, even today, I get fooled into thinking there are conventional or normal rules with dementia, and there's not. Anything can happen. Anyway, for me, what I had to do was finally get the idea of writing things down. Different examples of her behavior, dates, what specific dips and declines she took so that when I did go to the doctor, I had something solid to refer to, tell him about, show him, and I didn't forget anything. So I recommend taking notes, especially if you are up against any opposition like friends or family members who think you are overreacting or nuts. I had that. Honestly, though, in hindsight, I don't think that their resistance was being purposely mean by not wanting to face it or talk about what was going on honestly. I think it was more that people in general choose to not look at the tough stuff. And certainly a friend or family member failing from dementia qualifies as tough. It's very scary for people. They don't know what to do about it, how to help. They know that if they accept this, their life is going to drastically change, even explode over it. And it's simply easier to be or stay in a sort of numb denial than face it. So try not to judge people for their reaction or behavior around dementia. Uh, I, I know that is very difficult to do when we're the ones dealing, but try and hold your judgment. That I've learned over time. Now, I'm no saint. It's not like I ran to the front of this line and jumped up and down, waving my arms, volunteering to take this disease with mom on. But I seem to be the one standing in the kiddie pool of reality, so I did take it on. Today's podcast, I am going to offer a few general tips for declines and dips in our loved one's dementia. There's a section in my website called Things to Know that is filled with articles, and one of the articles is called Take a Cognitive Performance Assessment. As helpful in the blog section, I had written a blog called A Quick Cognitive Test. Now, that one is pretty much verbatim from the neurology appointments I go to with mom. 
Now, it doesn't take the place of actually going to a doctor, but the articles do give you a good guide as to uh, figuring out where your loved one is cognitively. How we got the diagnosis was uh, by accident, literally. Mom tripped over the corner of an area rug and fell headfirst into a cast iron antique stove, which broke her nose, shattered an eye socket, and rung her bell. She ended up with a concussion. And the subsequent CAT scans, MRI, revealed plaque and... um, atrophy of the brain. And so we knew, thankfully, that, gee, something was really wrong all these years. Anyway, we were talking about taking notes, documenting behaviors, and odd occurrences with dates so that when I did run up against people saying I was overreacting or I was nuts, I I did think I was nuts at times. I would get lulled into their opinions and denial. But with documentation and data, I could see in black and white the truth of what was happening to mom. So ultimately, I could stand firm in my opinions and uh, care for mom. Plus, the other truth about the opposition was they were not spending the kind of time with mom that I was. That's not a judgment. That's just fact. And it's okay. Now, as an honest aside, I don't want you to think that I was this strong and confident caregiver back then. No, or hell no. I was more like a rabbit cornered by Wiley Coyote. That's why I have always said this is a very vulnerable and isolating job being a caregiver. When I first entered the arena of caregiving, uh, not only was I scared to death, But I was horrible at this job. Horrible. Even though I just sounded so wise about being non-judgmental, in the beginning, I was judgmental towards every one of those people who had strong opinions about mom, and they were not spending the kind of time with her that I was. Gotta love those people, right? I was angry. I was impatient. I was impatient with mom. I took offense at her responses to the ways in which I tried to help her. I resented my life being turned upside down and had to be put on a back burner. All the things that I personally was not getting done for my life, I became angry, short-tempered, and cynical. And I certainly don't purport being any kind of guru or professional today like Tipa Snow. No, I'm just a daughter who has been caring for her mom for over a decade. The last topic that I want to uh, talk about actually came up about two hours ago. It was a voicemail that had come in from mom, and lately her confusion has escalated. Her calls to me have also escalated. Her message is about 45 seconds, and it shows how confused she gets. I probably get these calls four times a week now. And it's always in between, uh, in the afternoons, between 1 and 4.35 in the afternoon. You're probably thinking, wow, she's uh, cognizant enough to pick up the phone and call. She is. I've left my telephone number right next to her phone in big, bold font. Plus, I have signs all over the apartment, hoping that those signs will calm her down. 
and you will hear in the voicemail that she is looking at uh, a sign, but it's not really doing a lot of good. But sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. So here's the message, and then uh, I will let you know how I handled it. Hi, honey. It's Mom, and I am uh, in my room, and I'm very confused. Um, I need to talk to you and find out what the hell's going on with my brain. Um, I can't. I don't have anything here that'll give me numbers that you can call me. Um, it says that, uh, Mamo, you are safe at your home, at your apartment. You are okay. Dogs and I love you. Um, and um, I, I'm afraid I'm not okay. I will wait for your call and hope it comes through. Love you. Bye. Okay, so first of all, I called her back about a half hour later. And when I called, she had by then completely forgotten she had even left me a message or that she was so confused. I'm fairly certain that she most likely got off the phone and walked down to the front desk at the residence where she lives, and one of the staff calmed her down just like I would have. When I do call her back, one of several things that I do is I let her know that I'm local, even if I'm not. If I'm not 10 minutes away and I'm not local, I do not tell her the truth. I learned six, seven years ago that telling her that I'm out of town is the worst thing I can do. Her brain starts spinning off into orbit and creating all kinds of negative scenarios. There is no benefit or positive outcome to telling her the truth when it comes to select things. And my whereabouts is one of them. To keep her calm, she needs to hear that I'm nearby. My motto has always been keep them safe, calm, and happy, and in that order. Now, there is a term in the caregiving world called, I, lo I love it, compassionate misinformation. <laughs> it's a fancy way of saying fib or fibbing. Obviously, you really have to know where your loved one is at to be able to use compassionate misinformation appropriately. Otherwise, it'll backfire on you. I had a family member not know where mom's dementia was at or what stage she was at. And she fibbed about something or tried to pull the wool over mom's eyes and mom knew it and it totally backfired. The last thing that I'll tell you that I do to calm mom down is she's got a good sense of humor still. And whether it's foul language or a off-color story, will pull her out of anything. Uh, the other day, she actually asked me, do they feed me here? <laughs> Poor thing. And I laughed and I said, well, of course they do, mom. And, and she just had this funny look on her face. And I said, mom, ever since you held up the corner grocery store with your water pistol, you've been getting three squares a day in this prison. And it took her a second, but she's quick, and she caught it and started laughing. So it's silly things like that that will pull her out of a funk. 
So those are a few things that work for me uh, that at least today, as you all know, what works today may not work in five minutes or even tomorrow. And why this is such, or one of many, many reasons why this is such a difficult job. Uh, If you don't already know the statistic for the lifespan of a caregiver is that 67% of caregivers die before their loved one because the stress is so high. They either die of a heart attack, a stroke, or they take their own life. I didn't believe that statistic until about six months into my caring for mom. The stress was so unbelievably high. And about four or five years after I was still taking care of her, I bumped up against that statistic myself. So it is the real deal, and it remains that high. What I want to leave you with today is if today's tips do not work for you, it's fine. You may have picked up on a little something that you can tweak so it works for you. Thing is, even though our circumstances are not the same, In other words, you may not live 10 minutes away from your loved one like I do with my mom, Uh, or your loved one may not have a sense of humor, or compassionate misinformation may not work for you yet, yet being the operative word. Someday it may, and you will know what compassionate misinformation is, and you'll be able to use it. There is always something that we caregivers can relate to with one another. There is always a thread of commonality that we caregivers share no matter where we are at in our care with our loved one or or what stage our loved one is at. Did that make sense? We can always learn from one another, always. At the end of the day, what I do know is that whatever I try, whether I try it once or I pivot and I try something different and I try something different again, and it does not make a difference or it doesn't fix the problem, I now know just to leave it be. I can't fix mom's dementia. There is a very humbling aspect to caregiving that over the years has really put me in my place. And not only for caregiving, but it has put me in my place with the rest of my life. It has become clear that caregiving is about me or us. And this is what we together in these podcasts will be unpacking. And I know that's going to be very uncomfortable for a lot of people because we wind up looking at things about ourselves that we may not like. I think that is what upset me most in the very, very beginning was that it exposed all my flaws And here I thought I was so perfect. Remember that you are not alone on this trip. I will walk with you. I am here and I will walk with you. Take care of yourself the rest of today. Be kind and be safe. Bye-bye.